Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We'll be inviting you to our Easter celebration today on the program, which is this Sunday. In fact, that's the focus of the program today, so stay with us for details on that. Let's begin by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, half a day, Chris. We're coming up on Easter, and that's an exciting time for Christians around the world. We're going to talk some more about some special celebrations that we have here at Harvest in in, uh, just a minute. But we do want to invite you to join us this Sunday. We're going to talk about the idea of hope and hope that's found in the resurrection. In fact, we're going to go to an interesting story in Luke 24 that takes place right after the resurrection. And there's a couple of disciples, not part of the 12 that we know of, but some of the larger crowd of disciples of Jesus who are walking along a road to Emmaus. That's sometimes how we identify this story. And they are confronted by the resurrected Jesus, and it's a story of hope. So we're going to have a chance to talk about that this coming Sunday, and we'd invite you to be with us for any one of three services, and Chris will tell you more about that as we close our show here today. But I'm really thrilled to have a couple of our guys on our pastoral team with us to talk both about Easter celebration and then just Easter in general. So it's good to have Pastor Ken Keith. Welcome, Ken. Good to be here. And Pastor Brian Lennertz. Welcome, Brian, to you too. Welcome. Yeah, Easter is such a special time for Christians. Ken, maybe start up by asking you this question. How many Easter's have you spent on Guam now? Oh, wow. I'd have to you gotta get my math going. I'd say, what, 13, 12 or 13, somewhere in there, yeah. Okay, so you've been here a while. Your family's been actually a couple different comings and goings, yep. right? Yep. Okay, yep. 12 or 13 Easter's. Brian, how about you? 12 or 13, too. We've been here the same amount. With okay, it. all right. Any special things about Easter on Guam that either one of you guys would, re- would think about? You know, it's always been a joyful celebration, especially here at Harvest, being involved in some of the things I'm involved with here at Harvest uh, in the cantatas and and some of the special music, just a time of celebration and really remembering what Christ did in the resurrection, what God did in raising Christ from the dead and the importance of that. And Harvest really communicates well via song. We've done some different plays and different ways of communicating the uniqueness of this holiday apart from any other holiday and what it brings. So it really is a true time of celebration. It's not just a normal Sunday. It's a true celebratory event. And uh, the excitement I see, I get to be at all the services. You know, sometimes you're like, "Ah, I got to be at all the services, but I get to see all the smiling faces. And there's just a joy here that, that I don't always see at all the different places I've been throughout my life of just celebration and excitement that that this is the the day that we commemorate Christ rising from the dead. Yeah, we're going to actually have three services on Sunday, partly because we expect there will be a good crowd of people that want to come and celebrate together, partly to make sure that we can maintain some social distancing. And so, you know, that's that's part of it as well. But yeah, it's going to be an exciting day together. Brian, you said 12 or 13 years for your family here. Anything that you guys do special on Easter? We've, for years, have gone down to Ipau Beach with a bunch of young families. Probably the last nine years we've been doing that as a tradition outside of last year with COVID. So we're stirring that back up and 
really glad they changed the policy to 50 because um, we're, we're going to be <laughs> tapping right around there for that. So um, we're going back to that this year. We'll come back and talk about this Sunday specifically, but I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about Easter in general and some of the questions that maybe people have as they approach this holiday and this celebration. Ken, maybe I'll approach it to you from this vantage point. I mean, your uh, role, actually, you share a lot of roles here in your pastoral responsibilities at Harvest, but one of them is leader of the student ministries, our youth group. Mm -hmm. So let's say you've got a teen that comes to you, they're thoughtful, they're thinking through things, they got some questions about their faith, and they say to you, man, I don't know if I really believe in the resurrection. What do you say to them? I would ask, you know, why? Where are you getting this idea? Unfortunately, you you Google, is the resurrection real or not? You're probably going to get a, a handful of theories. Most of them revolve around there's some sort of deceit or Christ didn't really die on the cross. There's a wide variety of these, right? But you look at the history of the event, ultimately we, we put our faith and trust in God's Word, and that's where I start from. I mean, we believe it because God's Word said it. But with the resurrection, there are some historical facts that, that sometimes maybe they didn't think of. The, one of the first ones would be uh, to, to kind of go against some of this, that Christ really didn't die or that the, the apostles stole his body. Rome was a superpower back then. Mm -hmm. Rome was really good at a lot of things, and one of the things they were really good at was killing people mm -hmm. and, and the crucifixion. I can promise you, if the Roman soldiers thought Jesus was dead, it was because he was dead. Mm -hmm. There's no question about whether or not he was dead to the Roman soldiers whose job is to crucify people. So the, the reality of the fact that he died is based on the fact that Rome was really good. The other thing Rome was very good at was their military power, and they put in, I, I can't remember, I think it's 10 guards? How many guards did they put in front of the tomb? They put quite a few guards, sealed it, put a massive rock in front of it, because they heard rumors and were afraid that his body would be stolen. So they are good at guarding, too. So Rome, the superpower of the day, is doing all these things. So the only logical explanation is that he supernaturally rose from the dead as, as one of that. The other big one to me, especially as a Christian, is you, you look at the disciples. The disciples went from a spirit of fear. Remember when he went to get crucified? I mean, they, they booked it, right? They were, they were gone. And then afterwards, after the resurrection, after they met the risen Christ, now they're willing to give up their lives, and many of them did for the gospel's sake. They're willing to give up, and they're all preaching the same thing, that Christ has been crucified, he's risen, here's the good news, and they're going out and spreading the gospel. So they go from complete fear and, and fear of Rome, fear of being identified with Christ, to now they're bold and emboldened because they saw the truth. They saw it with their own eyes. We have historical accounts, uh, a couple specific ones with Josephus, and then the history of Rome, another, I forget the gentleman's name who wrote that, but these are historians from that time who were not believers who, who recorded these facts. There is a lot behind that would cause the everyday reader, everyday person, to realize that this event happened, this resurrection happened. But then I would also, again, bring them back to, what does the Bible say? And the Bible's clear, and that's where our faith and trust is, because there's going to be people questioning all the time. Our faith and trust that this event happened is based on the Word of God said it was, and we know the Word of God is true. But there's also historical events, and, and just thinking through this idea that, you know, he didn't not die and, and, and snuck out. 
the apostles didn't steal his body. I mean, my guess is they would have been very too fearful to steal his body. They were all in hiding anyway. It wasn't until Christ came and found them and emboldened them. And you read that in some of Paul's writing where he talks about the gospel, the resurrection invigorates and gives them power to spread the gospel. So those are the kind of things I would bring up and just and just walk and talk through. But often, unfortunately, there's a lot of naysayers out there that add all these what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. But the Bible tells us it's true. That's enough. But history also backs up the Bible. And so. Yeah, I want to ask a couple more questions about that piece. But I wonder if I can ask you this, Pastor Brian. You became a believer. Your story is in your teen years. Mm-hmm. Ever, you know, in that time when you're asking questions, was the resurrection a part of kind of your questioning, or is it more along the lines of just this, you know, the story of Jesus? I think it was, but it came out in different ways. I mean, there was the story of the Lord leading me to him. It, it was a journey. There was somewhat of a broad acceptance in the beginning, mainly because of my upbringing and respect towards Christianity, where there was assumptive agreement with it. But everything that's associated with those beliefs, that's what I had to really wrestle through. And I remember probably about five, six months into that journey, I was in my room and and I understood the concept of my sin nature. I knew I deserved hell, but I wrestled with the idea of, do I really deserve hell? I don't know if that makes mm-hmm. too much sense. Yeah. And the forgiveness and the payment and everything that came with that, there was an unsettledness in my heart. And I, I remember exactly the moment where I went to the Lord and I actually said a prayer to him along the lines of, Lord, I'm done saying another salvation prayer. I said so many prayers to accept the Lord, and yet there was an unsettledness in my heart. And I got to a point where I said, this is what your word says. I'm choosing to trust it. And that was the moment that really just changed my faith because there was an acceptance of what the resurrection meant and the payment for our sins and an agreement to that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I think those two pieces, both of the responses of you guys tie together in the fact that Paul in particular, but the New Testament, a a lot of the support for the authority of Jesus rested in the resurrection. Mm -hmm, Paul came back to it over and over again. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 is kind of the key passage that talks about this. But as he came back to it, one of the things that he kept going back to was the reality of the of the eyewitnesses accounts, yeah. right? So he said in that setting at that time, really nobody across that whole area questioned it. And he yeah. went back to those kinds of support system because I mean, the reality was people saw him. There was multiple witnesses to the fact that he died and that he rose again. And that was a key yeah. part of Paul's testimony, right? That was the fifth one I forgot. I knew what I was talking, I forgot one. <laughs> and the interesting about thing about that is sometimes people think there's only like five hundred, but there was more. There was just five hundred at one time. There was right. a lot of people and the history again, I mean, supports that. Yeah, and that's why Josephus and others Correct. were able to you know, almost just assume the yeah. the reality these are secular historians that are assuming yep. the reality of the resurrection because it was so widely accepted among those because of so many witnesses to the yes to the fact. So Paul and and others, but Paul in particular really talked about this so much. I want to just track this one step further. Why is it that the resurrection is so important to Paul's theology and really to the theology of Christians? I don't, I don't know either one of you want to 
Yeah, I mean, you go back to the First Corinthians 15 passage. He says, if Christ is not raised, we are yet in our sins. And without the sacrifice of a, of a perfect lamb, we're in trouble. <laughs> we don't have the forgiveness of our sins because we don't have what it takes to pay off those sins. And mm-hmm. the scripture's clear is that that's death. And Paul's clear that if he's not risen, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain and our, and our salvation is in vain. Yeah, you just said, I'm just looking at the text right now, verse 14, if Christ be not risen, then is your preaching in vain, your faith is in vain. <laughs> but then the next phrase, yea, and we are found false witnesses yeah. of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, so not only is your faith vain, but we are, we are bearing false witness to a lie. And he's really putting his whole reputation, of course, on the line here. Yeah, I had 1 Corinthians 15 open also here because it really is the, the chapter that deals with this. The clearest one of the thoughts I had in, in coming in here is the importance of it. The, the gospel, sometimes we sell short. We end at the cross, and, you know, Jesus died for your sins, and, and that is very true, and that's a key part. But you look at, especially 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection is a part of the gospel. The gospel is incomplete without the resurrection. There's no hope if you look in verse 20 through 22 of verse 15. As Brian said, there's no forgiveness. All of it's worthless. All of it's empty if the resurrection, which is Christ's payment being accepted by God. Because this is the whole need for this. The whole need for this sacrifice is because there's a huge gap between God and man. I was I was explaining this to teens a little while back. It's like a magnet that you flip upside down and you know you could push the other magnet. They they just can't come together because of the the power of them. And the bigger the magnet, I remember my dad used to work with computers and the old old computers had magnets about the size of a book and those things were super powerful. In fact, you could barely pull them apart, but when you try to push them against each other, no amount of might you could push them. So you've got this magnet, if you will, of God's holiness and this magnet of God's sinfulness. They oppose each other. There's just no connection point, and this is the basis and the need for salvation. But Christ is the one who came, died for that sin. But if God would not have accepted it, it wouldn't have done anything for us. Our our faith would still be empty and hopeless if Christ died. The resurrection was necessary to show us and give us faith, give us hope, that God accepted his payment and that God raised him from the dead, gave him victory over death. And if we didn't have victory over death, again, we would have no hope for the future. We wouldn't have hope for our, the loved ones we lose and know that as a believer we're going to see them again. We wouldn't have hope for our own life because we wouldn't have that security of Christ having victory over death. So, yeah, it's so important. And, and sometimes we end, like I said, at the cross— God died for your sins, forgave you for your sins, and unintentionally sometimes we leave out the resurrection, but the resurrection is the completion of the work of salvation. Without it, it would be incomplete. Right. Yeah, that completion piece and the affirmation that Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is who he said he was. So salvation is based on the cross and on what the blood of Christ provided in our forgiveness but the, uh, that's only effective if Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And the perfect sacrifice. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the resurrection is what affirms and Correct. confirms his deity that uh, not only did he die, but he rose again, the affirmation that his blood then is enough. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's sufficient for us. 
Brian, a lot of times when we're just talking with people about about faith or someone is asking questions about God and Christianity, you know, a lot of times our we want to point them to Jesus, right? Um, and uh, you know, I, I want to point them to Jesus and also the authority of the Scriptures, but. Jesus, Jesus is the answer to these questions, and how does that sort of fit in with this idea of his, that he's real, his resurrection completes the proof of his deity? What's the point to Jesus? Well, we serve a risen Savior who is actively at work in our life. So when you even go back to that passage we were talking about in 1 Corinthians, it says, according to the Scriptures, and that, that's the foundation for our, our life and faith as believers. That work, I mean, Second Timothy talks about his word cutting to the soul and heart, and it's a continued work in our life where we rest our faith and truth upon the Word of God, and it establishes itself through, I mean, many of the things we talked about, history, future events, is as active work in, in our life, many different areas with this. You know, I was going back to, as we were talking, First Timothy Two five. It's such a great passage for our island too. Of for there's one mediator between mm-hmm. God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And now that when our faith is in the risen Lord, He goes on our behalf to the Father. If listeners have more interest in this, uh, Lee Strobel's written a couple of books that are really helpful on sort of the proof. Uh, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. He actually has a book called The Case for Easter, which is Lee Strobel is you know a researcher was not a believer really went to try to disprove Mm -hmm. the truths of the scriptures in the process. He came to belief in Jesus as the Son of God. And so you guys got any more references that might be helpful if someone's asking questions like this? That that one is probably the key key one. I would say study it. I mean, the, uh, Lee Strobel's story is well documented, but it's not the only one out there. Sure. I've I've been in uh, in her testimony of of Muslims who were actively trying to disprove. In fact, one in particular, his imam gave him because he's a smart dude, gave him a Bible and said, "I want you to find proof text and and all this to disprove this book, so that we have ammunition against these Christians coming in." And he ends up getting saved as he's studying through it. Man, if you've got questions, the, the Bible is not going to lack. It's not going to fall short in answering these questions. These people have, have searched the Scriptures, and they have found truth and satisfying truth. So if you've got thoughts, I mean, there's definitely uh, Josh McDowell has some good stuff out there. Mm-hmm. There's, there's some good material out there that would help guide that study, but... But the Gospels and just who Jesus is, you read those things, and God's going to use it. But I'd encourage you not to stay in the realm of, I don't know what I think about this, and right. I'm just not sure about this. Right. If it was a teen, I would I would encourage them to do more study. Don't stay in this it's ambiguous such, realm. Yeah, I mean, it really is the most important question yeah. in history. Is Jesus who he said Correct. he is? And it's not something that we can just pass on. Mm-hmm. You have to determine he either is or he isn't. It's kind of the crux of history, and it really becomes the cross point of, of our lives. So... It's such an interesting discussion and powerful discussion of truth and of our theology. And I think Easter is, Easter is loved for those reasons. And it's also loved for some of, um, some of the emotion, I think, that comes along with it. I mean, this, the, the emotional picture, the moving picture, maybe that's a better term for it, of, of the cross and 
if we understand the picture of the cross, it's a it's a dark scene. For the Christians, it's a place of hope, but there's a place of sadness. And then it's almost as if Easter is the dawn of light mm-hmm. and hope and new life. And it fits in together with even our you know, our calendar, sort of the spring of new things springing up. And I think for all of those reasons, we have a special almost emotional uh, attachment to Easter that I think is sweet as well. And some of that is what we'll celebrate this Sunday. Ken, we're going to talk about hope, right? And uh, tell us about what we're going to be doing specifically at Harvest uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah, so we've got a a small ensemble that's going to be ministering to us in song, which is exciting. We haven't really had specials of late, and they've really been working hard. It's going to be beautiful. But the whole focus is going to be on this living hope. I mean, it's something, as as we were just reading a minute ago in, in 1 Corinthians, 15 this hope that comes from the resurrection it's 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 a hope of the things that are ahead of us as believers no matter what happens these are are secured in this act of the resurrection and so it's it's just talking about Jesus Christ our living hope that's the name of the cantata we're doing and it's really just going to focus on the joy that that brings to us as a believer so we have a little bit of reading of some scriptures and and such in the middle but it's just going to be a focus and a lot of songs about hope. A majority of it is actually on on this hope we have. So it's going to be a true celebration. Yeah, I had a chance sense. to listen in on on some of the cantata practices. It's going to be awesome and encouraging. So if you get a chance to join us, I'd invite you to do that. Pastor Brian, we've got some special things for those that might be guests or maybe the first time coming to Harvest. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, we're anticipating guests, and we know on Easter historically it's a big day where people come on out. It's a couple holidays throughout the year just seem to have people flock to churches, and this is certainly one. After the service, we have a tent set up, which we'll have some drinks and some snacks, some pretty good pastries we're excited about, as well as we have some special gifts for our guests coming in. We have a harvest mug and some Easter tokens of just thank you for coming. And as well, you know, our, our desire in that is is to truly connect with those who walk through our door and to offer them a path and a route to seek the questions that they might have. Because we know on Easter... Um, you know, our desire is to answer many questions, but there's going to be many more, and, and we're set up. And our desire is that as people come, they find us truly caring and friendly and wanting to help. And, and our desire is to come alongside each person and assist that way. If people are trying to find out information, they're interested, how do they know? Can they, I mean, they can actually schedule a visit, right? Yeah, exactly right. You can go to our, our website at hbcguam.net. And right on the the main page, you'll see an area where it says schedule a visit. We um, have an Easter section on the website as well, and it's connected on our social media as well for that. So you can sign on up. What we do is if you schedule a visit, and we've had various guests do this, we actually reserve seats for them. Uh, We try to get in contact with you to see where you preferred for seats. And uh, you really get the best seats available. We set them aside for you. And uh, if you have any special needs. And that doesn't mean right down in the front row. I mean, those are the best seats, but we won't put a guest right there. We've never had that request yet. <laughs> so they're available. A little higher price, though, I think. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if somebody wants to come, they, they don't have to schedule a visit. That's just if that'd be helpful for them, right? They can just come and we'd welcome them. 
Yeah, exactly right. And even if you have friends, maybe, you know, they speak Korean or um, Japanese. We have some translation in the earlier service. I'll be at the 930 service, right? service. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks both of you guys. I know you both have and your teams have put a lot of time and effort into making Harvest be a place where people would really sense God's presence and his power. And so we're looking forward to an awesome, awesome day together Mm -hmm. this Sunday, Easter Sunday. Well, thank you for listening to Harvest Time. You can come and celebrate the empty tomb with us this Sunday. Safety protocols for COVID-19 will be in place during that 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. service, each one of them, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. You can join us, invite a friend. That's this Sunday at Harvest Baptist Church. If you want any more information on that, go to hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.